Welcome to Crazy Enough to Win. I'm your host, John Grubbs. Welcome to the podcast. So today we have a story for you. This is a story about Edward. Edward is the boss of a new, well, he's in a new role at a bank, and he's reluctant to fire a problem employee. Are you familiar with this story? You see, Edward took over as branch manager of this bank eight months ago. Eight months. He is new to town and this branch, but he's not new to the company. He has been an assistant branch manager with success, and his promotion to branch manager at this bank, well, it's long overdue. A previous manager taught Edward how to run an efficient and profitable business enterprise during his tenure as assistant manager. So he's confident, he's excited, but he's eight months in. What do you think is going on? Most of Edward's bank employees are excited to have him as the new manager. He's a breath of fresh air because the previous manager was a jerk and did not lead the team. He was more preoccupied with making the branch look suitable to the corporate people, no matter the cost or impact on his local team. Does that sound familiar? And as a result, morale has deteriorated, so most employees are generally cynical about management in general. They are hoping for better things, but they are not holding their breath for it to come. So what else is going on? The quality of supervision for this bank is inferior because under the previous manager, supervisors had limited authority and did not get much respect from the employees on the front lines. As a result, Good supervisors have left, and those remaining are either gluttons for punishment or incapable of supervising at any other location. This location has pushed away good leadership and emasculated the remaining supervisors to the point that they have no credibility with the team. The previous manager ruled the bank location like an autocrat and did not seek the advice or the opinion of other leaders on the team. What he said went, and if anyone attempted to challenge him, they were isolated and made to feel silly for having another opinion. Gordon at this bank in particular is a problem. He is a mid-level manager at the branch and now reports directly to Edward. Edward is Gordon's boss. Keep that in mind. Gordon has learned the branch business well, and he can play the political game to gain an advantage for his plan. He is outright sarcastic and cynical to most people while cooperative and understanding to Edward. 
<laughs> Have you seen that type of person? He's one way to the boss and completely different to everyone else. It's like the old joke. If you're climbing up a ladder and you look behind you, the person behind you has a certain view. If you're looking ahead of you, well, you have a certain view if someone's above you. So to, to survive, Gordon has learned to kill ideas and proposals that he does not favor with little or no action. He just does nothing. He's supportive, but no action. And with great skill, Gordon can sabotage any suggestion he deems non-beneficial to him and his current view of normality. Change is not something Gordon desires as he has become quite comfortable in the world now. Very passive aggressive. Fellow supervisors and managers know Gordon's personality and have learned to tolerate his sarcastic and pessimistic view of people and business. They have become convinced that Gordon is a permanent part of the team. And get this, the prior manager liked that Gordon got things done and did not rock the boat. The prior manager did not care about the details as long as things ran smoothly. And as a result, Gordon feels empowered to do it his way, regardless of who is in charge. He does not respect Edward or the position he holds in the bank. He feels independent, independent of higher authority and does not plan to change anything about what he does daily. He's just not going to change. He's going to do it his way. Now, Edward. Edward is a high-energy manager who plans to take this mediocre-performing bank to the next level. He's ambitious. He wants to do things. He wants to make a great place to work. And he was a significant part of the success at the previous branch and planned to implement the same changes here at the new bank. He is somewhat aware of Gordon's reputation and suspects he is a sycophant, a suck-up, who kisses up to gain personal advantage. And deep down, deep down, Edward knows he knows that Gordon is detrimental to the team and the necessary change for improvement. He also knows Gordon is not likely to change and that he will be a hindrance, a hindrance to the new ideas needed for success. He knows Gordon's personality and negative attitude are cancerous for his positive message for the bank. Hold on to that thought. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, please do so, so that you get notified when I drop a new episode. So yet, let's get back to the situation at hand. Edward, the new boss, is hesitant to act. Why? 
Why do you think Edward is hesitant to act when it comes to Gordon? Well, new leaders often encounter a situation similar to that of Edward. They know. They know at their core. They know instinctually. They know intellectually. They know what needs doing, but are slow to act. I call this decision-making velocity, DMV. And the leaders I'm working with, I'm challenging them to increase their DMV, their decision-making velocity. Because we're slower more often than we are fast. In other words, we default to moving slowly rather than defaulting to moving quickly. And I know you can act too soon. You can make decisions prematurely. You can move too quickly. But I'm telling you, that is not the norm. The norm is to move too slowly. And there are two primary reasons for inaction by a leader. Both. Both of these reasons are equally detrimental to the leader and to the team. So I'm going to share both of these with you. If you're taking notes, if you're taking mental notes, the two reasons that leaders default to inaction instead of taking action are coming right up. First, the new leader rationalizes the short-term benefit over the long-term cost. In other words, what's better for me short-term, we rationalize as better than the cost of inaction, the cost of waiting. I call it the cow. How much is the cow? How much does it cost you to wait? Many people do not calculate the cow. Cost of waiting. We default to the short-term benefit. I'm less stressed. I don't have to deal with this. It's going to be okay if I just push this down the road a little longer. We rationalize the short-term benefit over the long-term cost. Cost to ourselves, cost to the bottom line, cost to other employees, cost of turnover. We rationalize. We can rationalize anything, folks. In other words, Edward might justify that Gordon's institutional knowledge, his experience here at this particular branch is too valuable to lose while trying to make a positive mark on the bank. You know, I'm not a big fan of experience. I think certain skills, certain experiences are valuable, but this this carte blanche approach to thinking that five years experience is always a good thing is just not something I wholeheartedly endorse. What if someone had five years of terrible experience and you have to undo five years of learning? Edward, the new branch manager, becomes myopic or nearsighted to the point that he can no longer see Gordon as a barrier to success. In other words, the longer we sit with dysfunction, the more we start to see it 
as normal. Hoarders are a great example of that. That behavior doesn't happen overnight. It slowly becomes normal and it slowly becomes the routine and it slowly becomes the thing that they do until they no longer see it as dysfunctional. The second reason that leaders don't take action when it comes to problem employees or just problems in general, the second reason is that the new leader assumes that the termination of a long-term employee will compound the current bad morale and worsen things. Edward believes that Gordon's firing will create more fear and uncertainty in an already struggling environment. Folks, the reality is the opposite. Every day, Edward does not take action, begins to cost him the title of leader from his followers. Now, remember that only the followers can give you the title of leader. Management can't give you the title of leader. They may give you the title of vice president or CEO or supervisor or director, but only the followers get to define you as a leader, someone they would follow. And folks, it's a privilege because if they give it, they can also take it away. And they don't tell us once we've lost the title of leader. But inaction with problem people is one of the most definitive ways for you or anyone else to lose the title of leader from your followers. Doing nothing is a decision. You are deciding not to decide. Inaction is a decision. And Gordon knows that he is inconsistent with Edward's message. And he believes the longer he fights it and survives, the stronger his resistance becomes. So let me say that again. Gordon knows that he's antithetical to Edward's message. But his belief, what makes him survive, is that he thinks he will win the long game, that the longer he gets away with it, the more likely Edward is to tolerate it. Keep that in your mind. Those people on your team who need to be removed believe the longer they survive, the more likely they are to survive. You are compounding the problem by your inaction as a leader. You're compounding it for every single employee in your organization. They all know Gordon is a problem. Gordon knows he's a problem. But Gordon says he will survive because he's lasted this long and no one's done anything about it. He validates his own negative behavior. It's the rationalization that allows him to be a literal contradiction every day. <sighs> Powerful, right? Edward and the rest of the organization are flat out losers. If Gordon remains on the team and the change required is only controllable by Gordon, even though it's not likely Gordon is the only one 
who can decide that his prior normal was wrong and that he needs to embrace the change Edward is seeking moving forward. And Edward, the new boss, needs to tell Gordon immediately that only, and get this, only his literal and le- legitimate change will keep him on the team. It has to be spelled out plainly and clearly. Gordon, if this does not change, you will no longer work here. You can't be uh, vague about this. You have to be very direct. You know, we call this, uh, well, whether it's conversation mitigation or conversation ambiguity, where we chip away at the information we want to share and we only share parts of it and pieces of it. In this case, Edward needs to tell Gordon immediately that only his literal and legitimate change will keep him on the team. But knowing Gordon is not likely to change, Edward owes him this last opportunity as a leader. You know, I have a firm belief. Termination is important in order to build a really strong team. You have to get rid of the wrong people. But I wholeheartedly endorse that you as the leader attempt to let Every human being, no matter how bad, no matter how dysfunctional, leave with dignity. I think that's our role as a leader. That doesn't always work that way. People get upset. People get emotional. But as the leader, I highly endorse that we always give people a chance to leave with dignity. And if Gordon does not alter his behavior, he needs to get Dehired. Yes, that's a new word. Dehired. Undo that awful mistake someone made before and dehire Gordon. And folks, dehiring the wrong people is not a bad thing. You know, Jack Welch said in the early 80s when he took over General Electric, he said, you know, we do people a disservice when we keep the wrong people. We make them think that they're effective or that they could be successful when deep down we know they will never be a successful player on this team. He said, rip the Band-Aid off. Let them go so they can find a place where they will thrive. They will be successful. As leaders, we must accept that change and transition are necessary to find and attract better talent. I tell these leaders I work with all the time, you are one amazing, talented person away from your life completely changing, from your business completely changing. One simple hire. That one hire will unlock things in your life, in your business, in your profitability that you never knew existed. It's the arrogance of our own brain that tells us that we have got the best opportunity for our business figured out. Well, guess what? You bring on a key person, they unlock things that you never knew were possible or never knew were likely to give you success. And if, if we as leaders tolerate bad attitudes, 
if we tolerate unwanted behavior, we are not leading. I want you to remember this. We get what we tolerate. We train what we tolerate. And most worst of all, we deserve what we tolerate. Let me say that again. You get what you tolerate. You train what you tolerate. And you deserve what you tolerate. And I believe that we must constantly make room for the person that can take our team to the next level. You have to make room. And while it's not pleasant, and yes, it can be painful, yes, it can cost you uh, extra work, extra money, while it's not pleasant, it's an absolute necessity for an organization to improve. The team with the best talent wins, period. Let me say that again. The team with the best talent wins, period. And if you want to win the war for talent, you must be willing to attract and hire the best out there. And you cannot do this with the wrong people in key positions on your team. Now, that's saying a lot. And I get it. It's not easy. Folks, it's the job of the leader to do this. When you dehire mediocre people, when you dehire toxic people, you make room for better talent on your team. This podcast, this podcast is for people who are crazy. And I hope that this podcast makes a dent in the universe of teams out there who are struggling with the wrong people. I hope this podcast gives one leader the confidence to make the decision to remove the wrong people from her team. You know, you can share this podcast so that we can help organizations. Share it on your social media. I am so blessed to have listeners all over the world who follow this podcast. We are in our third season. It just blows my mind that we're in the third season of Crazy Enough to Win. And that I guess there's more people out there who are like me who are crazy enough to do things that other people won't, crazy enough to do things that other people are afraid of, crazy enough to speak up when others are silent. This podcast is for crazy people. And if you want to get in touch with me, I am accessible to you at www.johngrubbs.com. That's J O H N G R U B B S. Dot com. You can well, you can get in touch with me through my website. You can even have a free book. I mean, I give away a free book to anyone who listens to this podcast. You can download the book as a Mobi file if you listen to your books on Kindle or even a PDF. And, you know, that, that book sells for $20 on Amazon. And I give it away because you're giving me the most precious gift one human can give another, and that is your time. And for your time, I give you that book. You know, this podcast is for crazy people. Yeah, crazy enough to win. Until next time.